0: At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, we uncover the connection between smell, taste and memory and discover how our evolutionary brain often stops us from trying new cuisines. Imagine this, you walk into a restaurant which you stumbled upon thanks to a friend's recommendation and our spatial overlord, Google Maps. You can instantly smell the slow-cooking biryani as you spot the impossibly large deg quietly but proudly taking center stage. The decor is simple, with no ostentatious hanging lights or flowery wallpaper, no overdressed waitstaff trying to peddle the special of the day, no smart quips or vice cracks as posters on the wall, and then the biryani arrives. It does not look great though. The excess use of orange food coloring is obvious. The raita looks a little stale and tastes sour. You dig in nonetheless, having skipped breakfast owing to an annoyingly useless meeting at work. The taste is okay. You only have 30 minutes for lunch. So you whiff down the biryani. A couple of hours later, you are violently throwing up, cursing your friend, wishing unspeakable horrors upon him and then throwing up again. It takes the better part of the week for you to recover completely. You go and rant to your friend and vow never to eat at that place again. That smell of biryani is now associated with the recoiling horror of acute diarrhea. Now imagine this, the first monsoon of the season. The world is awash in greenery. croaks of frogs reverberating around. The sweet smell of rain on path soil. You battle traffic caught unawares in the sudden shower, and make it home. You open the door, and it hits you. The smell of crisp frying pakoras and slow-brewing ginger tea. It warms the cockles of your heart, and suddenly, all the stress of pothole roads and mind-numbing traffic has dissipated. You forget that you have been soaked to the bone, and all you can sense is the heady aroma of crispy pakoras and hot piping tea. That smell is now associated with the warmth and comfort of home. I'm sure you have encountered these scenarios in your lives, and are no stranger to how important aroma is to the experience of good food. And each time you are far away from home, in an unknown city where everyone is a stranger, the smell of pakoras and chai at a roadside stall gives you solace and makes that unknown city a little more of your own. But have you ever wondered why exactly this happens? And what happens when you travel to a new country and encounter food smells you have never been exposed to? Turns out that evolution and our brain are playing interesting games. And at the core of it sits a familiar but less understood idea. That of memory. Neuroscientists and psychologists have come to recognize varied types of memory that coexist in our brain. Episodic memories of past experiences. Semantic memories of facts short and long-term memories, and more. These often have different characteristics and even seem to be located in different parts of the brain. Neuroscientists at the Genelia research campus of the Howard Youth's Medical Institute and University College London have uncovered a newer understanding of how we create, store, and sort memories. It suggests that many memories of predictable things ranging from facts to useful recurring experiences, like what you regularly eat for breakfast or your walk to work are saved in the brain's neocortex, where they can contribute to generalizations about the world. Memories less likely to be useful, like the weird taste and smell of that biryani your friend suggested, are kept in the seahorse shaped memory bank called the hippocampus, are kept in the seahorse shaped memory bank called the hippocampus. Actively segregating memories this way helps in navigating new situations. Researchers at the Salk Institute have understood what happens when you have the horrendous biryani experience. Your brain is essentially associating the smell with positive or negative. Those feelings aren't just linked to the memory, they are part of it. The brain assigns an emotional valence to information as it encodes it, locking in experiences as good or bad memories. This is made possible by a small peptide molecule known as neurotensin. As the brain judges new experiences at the moment, neurons adjust their release of neurotensin. This shift sends the incoming information down different neural pathways to be encoded as either positive or negative memories. Memories that link disparate ideas like biryani and diarrhea or chai and comfort are called associative memories and they are often emotionally charged. They form in a tiny almond-shaped region of the brain called the amygdala. Though traditionally known as the brain's fear center, the amygdala responds to pleasure and other emotions as well. So let's summarize all the research. The brain stores more useful everyday memories in the neocortex, which helps us make generalizations about the world. Think chai and pakoras. Each time we encounter a new smell, basis the associated experience, the brain encodes a positive or negative emotion and stores it in the hippocampus. And the next time you encounter the smell of that biryani, your brain riles up. It's an evolutionary response and it reminds you of the recoiling diarrhea you had the last time. This has a profound impact on how we eat. Say you are a strict vegetarian on a work trip to the Philippines and encounter fish sauce for the first time. The smell is unfamiliar and given that you are hungry and struggling to find vegetarian food thrown out of your comfort zone in a new country you might make a negative association with fish sauce. However, If you are someone who grew up in coastal India, the smell of fish sauce could be comforting, evoking memories of your grandmother's cooking at her ancestral home, which made for delicious afternoon lunches and satisfying siestas. You embrace Filipino cuisine with a gusto and return home preaching to everyone about the virtues of food in the Philippines. As we travel, this pessimistic evolutionary part of the brain is what we need to actively guard against. We are no longer pastoral Neolithic people living in the savannah encountering wild berries and suspicious tasting prey. We are tasting a cuisine which has been developed and perfected over thousands of years. Sure, we must look out for basic sanitation and hygiene, but we must beat our evolutionary brain and sample a morsel of that unknown food sitting proudly on our plate. If you like this podcast,